Welcome to episode 58 of the J-Bunny's Music Hub podcast. I'm your host, J-Bunny. Well, everybody, for this episode of the podcast, this is another one, another interview that I've been trying to get since I started the show. Joining me on the show today, Donald Carpenter, who you may know from the bands Submersed, or I Empire, possibly Apollo Under Fire, in a new band now called Blisskrieg, with members of Days of the New and Tantric. I was so glad to finally get Donald on the show and talk about all these bands he's been in and, and where he's going now with this new band, Blisskrieg. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I think that you guys are going going to enjoy it as well. I will say that there was, I guess, a little bit of uh, being on Skype. I, I guess we didn't have the best connection at some point, but I don't think that takes away from the interview too much. I really think you're going to enjoy it. Without further ado... Here's Donald. What's up, everybody? It's Jay Bunny. I am back at home recording on Skype again after uh, a couple of shows of actually being able to go somewhere. Still drinking beer from Ghost Talk Brewery in Clifton, New Jersey, because their beer is still fantastic, and you should go check them out. Joining me today is uh, Donald Carpenter, vocalist for the the new band Blisskrieg. You may also know him from the bands Submersed, I Empire, or Apollo Under Fire. How's it going today? It's going great. Uh, the weather's started to warm up here in texas a little more so uh we're all happy about that that's awesome it's starting to warm up here in jersey too after uh snowing way too much (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean you know uh we expect to get a little cold during the winter but it seems like everything is becoming a little more extreme uh you know texas is you know it's always kind of been the joke if you don't like the weather wait an hour or wait a minute or however you know whatever your time constraints are but uh yeah it's it's just uh it's pretty wild out there yeah how did you fare with all that weather stuff that went on where, where you guys got all kinds of snow and freezing and power outages and stuff recently well you know i don't want to expose myself as too much of a southerner you know to all the northerners that uh deal with the year in year out but you know we uh just hunkered down you know even with the covid thing uh, you start dealing with a lot of the supply shortages and, and overbuying and that kind of stuff. So there was a little bit of that going on. But uh, we, we were very fortunate. We didn't lose any electricity. Uh, I had a little bit of foresight and started dripping my faucets, you know, a few days early. And But, yeah, I mean, it's it was uh, it was an experience. You know, my kids grew up in Florida, and so they, they had never really seen snow. And and uh, this year we've already had, you know, two or three rounds of it. So it's it's been wild. See, like I said, I'm here in Jersey, so my kids are my kids are used to it. Uh, to, <laughs> and and now we're with with homeschool, you know, snow days are still kind of a thing, but doesn't matter as much as it used to. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. My wife's Canadian, you know, so uh, we had the whole Canadian arm of our Facebook page giving us a hard time, and uh, you know, because it's fairly routine for them. But yeah, the homeschool thing it's funny because you know when I was growing up, if you know it got a little snowy or icy, you know, schools would shut down. You know, that was a day off, but I think with the way the COVID's kind of got everything running, uh, you don't get that excuse anymore. You know, you just get to, to go online and, and learn from home. Uh, yeah, it's kind of a lose-lose nowadays. <laughs> yeah, but uh, well, it, it, at least in the case of my kids uh, doing school from home, they're they're doing better because they've got instead of a teacher with 30 kids, they've got just their mom and the two of them, or me and the two of them, making sure they're getting their stuff done. Yeah, we. Yeah, we've actually homeschooled our kids uh, since they're, you know, right from the beginning. It was just something that wife and I just decided was our path. And uh, it's always worked out really well for us. You know, it allows them to be a little more focused and uh, really kind of manage their time better. You know, there's more 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 hours left in the day just to be a kid, you know, and and uh, and, and try to have fun and and, uh, and really more time to connect with family as well. So I think it's a good thing. Yeah, definitely, man. So. You know, as for as for uh, you know you and why we're here today, I, I just want to get into it and, and let you. So I first became aware of of you and your and your bands and your music when uh, in 2004 when you were in the band Submersed and the song Complicated was featured on the soundtrack for the movie Daredevil. Uh, looks like that band was together from 2003 to 2008 and then disbanded after being released from Wind Up Records. Can you tell me about that band's journey from formation to breakup? Yeah, we actually, uh, you know, it started, you know, back in November of 2001, uh, you know, not too long after 9-11, you know, me and a couple of the original guys recorded a three-song demo before we even had a band put together. We just had some songs and, and uh, you know, I'd always uh, been a singer, you know, I'd always kind of had a, a talent that really kind of 
pushing me to the forefront a little bit. And so when we had initially gotten together and recorded that demo, uh, we were able to pass it around and, you know, it, it got some buzz. You know, it, it's, it was a bit of a different day and age back then. The rock scene and the music scene, you know, I was still kind of in a transition period with, you know, the internet and, and downloading and all that kind of stuff. And so it was a bit of a weird time, but, you know, labels were still actively hunting bands and you know, the, the day of the A&R, you know, you know, hanging out in the, the shadows of the club and, and discovering the band was still very much alive. And, and uh, you know, Dallas uh, was one of the music scenes that was kind of on the map at that time. You know, Drowning Pool was was blowing up and, you know, uh, Pantera had always been a big band. But it seemed like there was a fresh crop of bands that were kind of getting looked at. And, you know, it just happened to come right in the beginning for us. And uh, everything moved really fast, and uh, in a lot of ways, they moved too fast. You know, we didn't really have time to uh, learn how to grind it out and, and really, you know, develop our craft and, and really develop our relationships, you know, within the band. And, and I think, uh, you know, everything progressed fairly quickly. You know, there's some dynamics at the label that were at play, and, you know, there's some situations within the band that started to take shape. And, you know, once again, I think it kind of plays back to that, you know, everything happened a little too quickly and we weren't able to develop the depth you know of the relationships to really i think uh handle some of those situations the right way it's kind of the way it works out sometimes especially when you're young and you're living more of an ego driven life you know and it tends to happen but i know kind of hindsight's 2020 and looking at where everybody else is now i think it all happens for a reason all right that's that's fair enough and uh you know after that band the next band you, that uh, people would know you from as I Empire, which is where I became most familiar with you. Saw you guys uh, a few times uh, while you were touring and stuff. Can you tell me how that band came together? Yeah, you know, um, Submerged had uh, had come to an end, and I was kind of floating around in you know the Tampa, Florida area, and working for the Tampa Bay Lightning in the front office, you know, wearing a suit and tie, and you know, really trying to wrap my brain around uh, moving into a new phase of life that didn't involve music, you know, and you know that lasted for about a year before. You know, I remember one day kind of sitting at my my desk and looking down and I was just kind of like, what am I doing? You know, this is not who I am. And, and so uh, I basically kind of quit that job and went and started working for a little fish shack next to my home, next to the beach there. And uh, I just started cutting fish. And really the purpose behind that was to give me more time to kind of put the energy out there to see if there was an opportunity to create music again. And and uh, when I kind of made that leap, I uh, put it out there. And I think MySpace was, you know, Facebook hadn't taken over yet. MySpace was kind of coming to an end, but it was still kind of at the forefront. So I kind of was just checking my messages one day and got a message from Corey Lowry. You know, I uh, wasn't too familiar with him uh, personally, uh, but I was very familiar with Seven Dust and, you know, the, the whole camp and everybody there. And uh, so as I started researching a little more, you know, he kind of invited me up to come and sing on some demos and see if we clicked. And we did. We clicked really well. And it really took off from there. And, and we just toured, 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 toured. I mean, it was uh, it was it was a, a extremely uh, blessed learning experience. You know, I learned learned a lot about what it really, you know, like I said, it was the exact opposite of you know, the submerged situation, you know, we went out there and grinded it and built it. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was just one of those situations where in the end, as an independent band, uh, you tend to burn yourself out, you know, and, and that's kind of what happened there. You know, we just needed some time off. And then during that time off, you know, we just kind of found different paths. Yeah. So the, I was actually going to say, uh, you guys released two albums. And then in 2014, there was this announcement that you and the band had parted ways. And then that announcement was sort of just deleted off of the social media channels, although it still lives on on, on Blabbermouth. Can you tell me what happened with that? Yeah, I mean, it was really it was a set of unfortunate circumstance uh, that, that came from a lack of communication. You know, um, you know, like I said, we needed a break. You know, it was one of those situations where we had burned it out on both ends, not just from the touring end, but from the label aspect. And, you know, the clarity of where we were headed next just was not there, you know. And for me, I was at a crossroads with my family where, you know, everybody was young and I spent so much time away from them that, you know, I owed them a little bit of focus. And uh, so when I went into that mode, I was I was I, was, I isolated myself, you know, my my end of the bargain was I didn't, I didn't really reach out and communicate too well. And certain little rumors started, certain little conversations were had that were, you know, twisted and, and whatever else, whether it be with me with former bandmates or, you know, just me hanging out with friends and talking about the good old days. Somehow that got turned into, you know, me wanting to get my whole band back together. And 
uh, that got back to the band and, you know, nobody came and really asked me about what was going on. And, uh, you know, we had a management at the time that, you know, I was questioning, uh, not just me, but I think as a band, we were kind of questioning. And uh, I think in a lot of ways, they took that as an opportunity to really, uh, you know, hit the self-destruct button. And it really manifested itself through that press release. Uh, but once that press release came out, which I was unaware of, I had no idea about it. Uh, it was a surprise to me. Our, I remember getting a text from a close friend, you know, kind of basically filling me in on it. And I was like, what? what? You know, and uh, when I reached out to the guys, we actually were able to talk about what was going on and, and gain a little clarity. Uh, it became evident that, that was a bad decision. And uh, so obviously they went back and pulled all of that. Uh, but at that point, we were kind of at an impasse, you know. We took a little more time to talk further from there, but there was really wasn't a clear path forward, and and uh, there were some opportunities that popped up through the guys, and and uh, they took advantage of, and, and like I said, it, it took us all in a direction where I think it's, it was all for the better. Right. So you know, everybody either started new bands or joined other projects, and for you, that took the form of the band Apollo Under Fire. How did that come together? Yeah, you know, I had met Peter Klett. Uh, through, you know, mutual friends uh, there in the Orlando area. You know, uh, our initial meeting actually happened at Johnny Jam, which was Johnny Damon, uh, the baseball player. He holds a, a yearly golf tournament. And one of the years we actually put together a little rock show uh, with Candlebox and, you know, Tremonti and Iron Empire and Seven Dust and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so as we were hanging out, it was the first time I got to meet Peter uh, from Candlebox. And uh, I was a huge fan. I remember... You know, when I first started back in high school, the first Candlebox record coming out, and it had a huge impact on me, you know, as the whole Seattle sound did. You know, it really uh, it really ignited my passion for music. It was just awesome to be able to meet him and talk to him. And, and we had a great rapport. Our families had a great rapport. And, and uh, you know, Iron Empire was still going at the time. We were just acquaintances. And, you know, when, when Iron Empire came to an end, and he was there in Tampa, and I was there, and, and really he was... He was kind of a friend when all that happened. Uh, you know, I was a little taken back by it. You know, I was a little discouraged by it. And you know, he was a very positive person. And he was like, hey, you know, let's just get together and jam a little bit. You know, maybe, uh, you know, I told him I had some ideas and never really been able to express. And uh, so he kind of started working with me on those ideas. And, you know, through that process, uh, you know, I was talking to Johnny and some other friends that I had that were encouraging me to continue and try to find a new way. And, uh, so we went ahead and, you know, put a record together. We put a, the project together, following the fire. And, and uh, you know, honestly, it was, you know, I am proud of it. And I think it's great music. I, I can look back and tell that, you know, I wasn't in line with my purpose. You know, like a, the synergy wasn't there that I think really needed to be there to, uh, you know, really give it its due process, you know. And my voice, you know, I, so long with touring with I Empire, there were certain aspects of my voice that I think were a little damaged, you know, needed some time to heal. And that's kind of how that went down. We, we got together and, and put that music out. It didn't last too long, but, uh, you know, it really... It really helped to bridge that gap, you know, during that time when there was just a lot of regret, a lot of heartache for everything that had happened previously. Yeah, I was going to say, I you guys put the album out and you toured. I mentioned you before we started recording. I saw you guys play at Roxy and Dukes here in New Jersey. And then there wasn't there wasn't a whole lot after that. And uh, looking at the Facebook page, like there hasn't really been any substantial social media activity since about 2017. Yeah, so I guess you guys kind of parted ways at this point or. Yeah, you know, we ended up partnering with a little label out of, you know, Seattle, and, and it was just kind of a stagnant situation. You know, it, it's this is a hard business. It takes a unique, you know, set of skills to really be able to promote and launch and break a band, you know. Um, and then even at that point, you know, you have very low percentages of actually doing that. So it takes a lot of moving parts. You know, Apollo Under Fire was just one of those things we couldn't get the right pieces in place to really put anything substantial together as far as promoting the record or or being able to get out there and tour, you know, there's just a lot of money involved and couldn't find the right people that wanted to get involved. And I mean, that's, you know, sometimes that's just the set of circumstances, you know, it's just not meant to be. And, and sometimes it's, you got to look at it and say, I don't, I don't have a product that's good enough to really uh, garner that, that excitement, you know, and that, that support. So, um, you know, you, you do your best, you try to be open and creative and, and, and sometimes, you know, things just don't really come together. Now, looking at your Facebook page, the Donald Carpenter Facebook page, it also lists amongst these bands we've talked about that it lists you as a singer-songwriter for Patient Alert. 
I'm not familiar with that project. Can you tell me about it? Yeah, yeah. I have a I have a friend out in California, uh, L.A., whose his name is Scott Kojel, and uh, he was actually uh, he played on the uh, the first Linkin Park record, Hybrid Theory. Uh, he's a uh, Berkeley trained musician. He's a, a studio musician out of there. He's has a fascinating story. He's uh, one of the most unique and cool people I've ever been around. Uh, and he, he, he became a, a dear friend back in the submerged days. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm just one of those creative people that I want to make art with everybody, you know? So if I connect with somebody on a personal level and they're also creative and, and talented musically or even artistically in whatever, you know, medium it is, um, I always find myself pondering uh, creation and coming up with something new and collaborating and all that. And so he was a friend of mine that just over the years we had, we always talked about collaborating and doing music and, and not having any strings attached or anything, but he was just reaching out to me. And, and when I was going through the period of time there, where I really didn't have anything to do, uh, but I still wanted to scratch the itch a little bit. I just started looking for friends that, you know, had ideas and, and wanted to express themselves, but didn't have the pieces in place, you know, primarily a vocalist. You know, it's hard to find a singer or somebody that you click with, you know, that you can be creative with and then, you know, doesn't create issues and, and so we, we just got together and did some demos, we did some, a few tracks, a few songs just to be creative and put them out there. And, you know, that's that's what it was called, it was, was Patient Alert. Um, it's very interesting stuff, you know, him being Berkeley trained, it's, you know, jazz fusion, you know, he plays chords that I don't even know how to say, you know, like, <laughs> um, he's a very talented guy. And for a singer, you know, it's, sometimes it's, it's, it's just cool to try new things and, and sing over different landscapes and, and i worked with another band out of la that he had hooked me up with uh, named Roz mystera and that was a, a guitar player from ecuador and a drummer from detroit you know who's was a big fan of the police and, and uh you know, Stuart copeland and so he had a unique feel for the drums and guitar player you know kim thale sound gardeners feel for the guitar and so it just gave me different time signatures and note selections and the chord progressions to try to you know vocalize over and write over and and really for me it was is an opportunity to create friends and create art but in another sense was to you know try to get better at being a lyricist at being a writer you know i you could look back at some of these point fingers and, and place the blame and you know, but in the end, as an artist, you really have to reflect on yourself what what you could have done differently, uh, what you did do. Was it good enough? Could it be better? You know, all of these things that kind of go through it. And so, you know, Scott and those guys out there really gave me an opportunity to uh, step outside of my comfort zone and challenge myself a little bit, try to push myself as a lyricist with, without that pressure of trying to earn back a record advance or, you know, uh, listening to the bulletin boards and, and, and trying to concern yourself with what people think. Yeah, it's, it was a situation that just gave me a great opportunity to scratch that itch and, and grow all right i'll have to check that out now your most recent project which is what brought us here today is is the band blitzkrieg the rest of the lineup of the band consists of todd whitener jesse vest and matt tall which listeners would be familiar with as founding members of both days of the new and tantric how did how did this band come together yeah you know it's uh, it's more of that inbox divine intervention you know like i said I, there was a, a need to allow the voice to heal there's a need to live enough life to have something new and fresh to write about uh, you know there was a period of three to four years there after apollo under fire where i just really had accepted my fate that i was gonna move on to something else you know and, and find another avenue of greatness so to speak and i really had no desire i had no passion to create whatsoever um and then in 2019 or two late late 2018 my dear friend seth luker who was the founder of rock and wellness and he was very close to the submerged crew his his brother was actually the bass player of submerged kellen and uh, he was uh, our tour manager and he was a dear friend of mine that I'd known since I was about 14 years old. And, you know, he was really my my security blanket, you know, going around and, and, and not now knowing that, you know, I'm Asperger's and, you know, manic depressive and bipolar thing, you know, having those people that really uh, come from me was very important. And he was one of those people. And he passed away in December 22nd of 2018 uh, from cancer at the age of 41, I believe. And uh it it really impacted me. You know, he was one of those people that would always kick me around and, you know, you know, dust yourself off, get back up. You know, you're born to sing. You got to get back out there and do this. And you know, this is coming off the back of three or four years of really, in a lot of ways, giving up. And uh, when he passed away, we put together. I know this is a long story here, so pardon me, but um, oh, that's all right. I'm trying to set up on exactly how this Bliss Creek thing came together. 
But uh, we set up a, a benefit concert in his honor, and that forced you know some of these submerged guys to come back together and us us play a show. And uh, in that moment, I realized that I had to find a way uh, to continue and and to you know not just fulfill my dreams, but you know honor his memory and honor the belief and the support that my family and you know all these different fans and friends have given me over the years. You know that really giving up wasn't wasn't an option, but the time of rest was over, you know, and so at that point in time, you know, once again, you, you start to put that out there to the universe that, you know, you are ready. Um, and I think the universe understands that you are ready because, you know, you've, you've gone through A, B and C and, and now you're, you're experiencing D, you know, and it, and it, it, it reveals itself, you know, as this deep sense of purpose. And so when I did that, you know, a few months later, I got a message in my inbox from Todd Whitener, which was the guitar player from Days of the New and Tantric. And I know you just said that, but I'm kind of setting it up into my mind as how surprised I was. Uh, because for me, Days of the New is one of my favorite bands of all time. You know, I was a acoustic-based fan that loved rock and roll, and, and I was a senior in high school when they came out, like they were. And so when that record came out, uh, it spoke to my soul. I felt like it was the record I always wanted to make. And in a lot of ways, I was jealous that they beat me to it, you know. And uh, so I was a huge fan. I was not a fan of how that situation ended for them. So when they moved on and created Tantric, you know, I followed them, you know. And, and so I was a fan from the beginning of Tantric, and that's where it all started for me. And so when I got that message in the inbox, it took me back because, you know, here's a guy, you know, me. Here's a guy that's, you know, been out of it, uh, that thought he was never going to be back, uh, that just, re, you know, reignited his flame and put it back out to the universe that this was what I wanted to do. And it answered me with Todd Whitener sending me a message randomly one night about how big of a fan he was of my voice and wondering if he, you know, we would like to get together and create some music. And, uh, you know, obviously it's it's a yes. And, you know, he had just so happened to be in his bunk uh, on the tour bus. He's out touring Derek Bentley on the, uh, the crew there and uh, just so happened to be in his bunk, headed to Dallas, Texas the next day, uh, which I about two hours outside of Dallas. And uh, so he was like, man, I don't know if you, this is too soon, but I happen to be in Dallas tomorrow, believe it or not. Would you like to come out and we can meet up and just talk? And so I said, absolutely. And I grabbed my friend Jason and uh, we drove up there at the drop of a hat and uh, went in and you know, spent about an hour and a half, two hours with uh, it was an instantaneous connection. It was just one of those things where you feel like you're you're meeting a past life friend, you know, somebody that you've you've known for for many lives. And in the moment we decided to put some music back and forth, and that was you know the fall of 2020. So we started exchanging some ideas, and and then you know come the beginning of 2020, you know the whole world shuts down, and including you know Todd's world, you know, because the touring business just shut down and and so that really afforded him the time to sit down and go well what am i going to do with this this year or this two years or three years you know we had no idea how long it was going to last at that point and so you know dialogue had started between him and jesse and he just started talking about matt and Wait a minute i got you three guys i got donald over here recreating with let me talk to donald and see if he'd be interested in this reunion between these three guys that you know uh, have such a a deep pedigree and synergy to them and absolutely i was like <laughs> i was like you kidding me like this would be a dream you know I've, I've always wanted you guys to be able to make music again and if i could be the guy to help do that then you know how cool is that and uh you know that's that's where it began and, and by the time we got into the fall of 2020 we already had our record written and a few weeks later we had it recorded and, and here we are less than you know 12 months later and, and we have a record out so it's it's been quite the experience yeah, the uh, you guys released the album digitally on February 22nd. My understanding is the physical release is going to come later. Most new albums tend to drop on Fridays these days. Why did you guys choose a Monday for the release? Well, to be honest with you, we're just that kind of guys. You know what I mean? We always got to do it a little different. You know, 222 is a very special date for me. Uh, 222 is a, is a special number in astrology in general, if, if you haven't gotten into that kind of stuff. But uh, that's the day that I met my wife. And so... When they came to me and said, hey, we're thinking about releasing it on a Monday, you know, rather than getting lost in the shuffle with everybody else, you know, because this is about as independent as you can get. It really can't get any more independent than this. And uh, I thought it was a good idea. And then I thought it was a great idea because it was on 222, you know, so um, that that speaks to that that higher uh, divine intervention. You know what I mean? Uh, it's just more of those those coincidental dots just getting connected and 
And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just one of those things where I think it worked out for us in the end. You know, this is a record that uh, brings a lot of love and, and healing and understanding and redemption to it. And to be able to get that on a Monday and start your week out right, it just makes absolute sense. That's fair enough. Now, you mentioned a couple of times about, you know, having to rest your voice and whatnot. You know, and I did notice that your your more recent projects, Blitzkrieg and Apollo Under Fire, the vocals are more melodic and, and less harsh than some of the stuff that you do with I Empire. Did, did the the harsher vocals that you do in I Empire, is that what was sort of why you, you needed to rest and all that? Well, you know, I mean, it definitely the dynamics of I Empire was extremely challenging, and, and I can't blame anybody but myself for that. You know, I... Uh, I went a little hog crazy on that music and, and it was fun to do so. And I think it absolutely called for it. You know, they, those guys were at such an extreme creative level. I mean, BC's guitar playing is so unique and so creative. It's, it's incredible. Nobody plays the bass like Corey, you know, I mean, Corey just has this rhythmic nature to the way that he gets those strings vibrating. It's, just, it's unbelievable. And, you know, same thing with Ryan and, and Morgan Rose and, you know, Garrett Whitlock and all these, these different drummers that we had involved. I mean, they, they were all at such a high creative level. So, you know, it pushed me to challenge myself to rise to that same level. And then you go out there and try to do it 300 days out of the year live every night. It becomes a challenge. And I think, you know, I did everything I could to keep my you know body and it going. And, and it never failed me out there, you know. But I think when you shut it down and you stop, uh, your body starts to reveal itself, you know. And, and anybody that tours will kind of tell you that when you first get home from tour you, you kind of get this little sickness you know you kind of get a little cold you get sick for about you know seven to ten days because it's almost like your immune system is at this heightened level and then when you get home it says okay you know now we can kind of relax and and let all this happen and, and so yeah it was just one of those things where you know it needed a rest you know life life had a way of facilitating that for me but when it came to bliss creek you know i i don't go into a song or go into a band or a sound or anything saying that I've got to do A, B, or C. You know, I've got to be a screamer. I've got to do this. I'm just trying to translate the spirit within the music. So if they come to me with a track or a song, I'm trying to hear what that track's trying to say. And if it's aggressive and it's harsh and, you know, it calls for this, you know, angst and the scream and this growl, and then that's what's going to come out, you know. But if, if the story is different, then I'm only going to write what's there. And, and with Bliss Creek, it's just... You know, it's not a sound that really warrants a lot of this, you know, uh, aggression. It's it's much more along the lines of submerged than an I Empire. But there, you know, it's it's hard to really say that because I Empire was so dynamic that, you know, we could have been three or four bands, you know, within that one band. Uh, I think it's very obvious what this band is, and it's just uh, a dynamic, melodic, musical band that was trying to make a deeper connection than just playing to one or the other emotion, you know. And so, um, you know, in the future, if, if we write something that is, is telling that story, uh, then I'll go there, you know, and I'll go all the way. And uh, Yeah, I'm just really trying to facilitate and, and do the songs justice and, and try to try to represent them the best I can. That's fair. That's fair. I, and I got to say, I love everything that you've done, but there's just, uh, there's just something about the one that sticks in my head is just the opening to to ignite. Just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know that's that's one of those. Like I said, you're, you're trying to hear what's there, and you're trying to write that you know bring out the the spirit of the track. And and I think I think that feels right for everybody. You know, when that when that thing kicks in, it's like that's that's right where you want it to be, which is in your face. You know, just distorted and just really waking you up. You know, that was all about the wake up and uh you know that's one of the reasons why we used to start the show out with it you know because it was like here we are come look at us you know yeah yeah no, i was gonna say that i was actually gonna say that, that i've seen you guys like open a set with that and that's 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 a hell of a way to you know because one of the times i saw you guys you were an opening act i don't remember who you were opening for but so you guys an opening so that's a hell of a way to get everybody's attention <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean you know it's funny everybody will ask you know what what slot do you prefer to play and you know, obviously every band's dream is of being a headliner and, you know, being the band that everybody came to see. But my most enjoyable experiences is being that opener, you know, and really having the element of surprise and and, and being able to set the tone for the evening. You know, uh, yeah, there's there's no feeling like it. And, and, and I Empire was just such a fun band to be a part of because we were just so tight and we were so confident. And, and when you're when you're that tight and that confident, you go out there every night knowing exactly what's going to happen. And it's just 
I tell you, it's just no better feeling. I think I, I saw you guys both as a as an opening act and as a as a headliner. You guys played a show. I went to a show where you guys played Dingbats in Clifton, New Jersey. It was on my birthday. Yeah. And you guys were the headliner, and then there was a couple of a local openers. Uh, one of them uh, was Beyond Visible, which I know that uh, Ryan is friends with their singer Dean. Uh, yep. That was that was a hell of a fucking birthday, man. I gotta say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dean is Dean is a great guy, super loving, super caring, extremely giving, uh, and really talented. You know, he he's he's got quite the voice, you know, himself as far as you know being able to to go a lot of different places with it. Yeah, I uh, Dingbats. I remember that place. I remember it always being cold. I remember having a great atmosphere and you know nothing but black. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. I'm going to ask you now the same question that I've asked everybody that's ever been on the show. It's sort of the signature question of the show. And being that you've been in a bunch of bands, I'm sure that you have great insight. How do you feel about the current state of where the music industry is now, where people would, you know, most music fans or most most people would, would prefer to either illegally download the music or subscribe to Spotify and say, well, you know, bands don't make any money on the music anyway. They make all their money at shows. So what do I need to buy it for? You know, it's, it's an interesting question. I think you can go a lot of different directions with it. You know, it's, you know, everybody's going to ha- hold an opinion on exactly what's going on. But, you know, I, it's, we're really, uh, we're at a point right now where it's the yin to the yang. You know, uh, there's, it could go one way or the other. I think there's a lot of positives to what's going on right now. I think there's a lot of an opportunity to be able to be an artist, whether it's at a high level or just an amateur level where, you know, you just want to be able to, to have fun and create. But there's also... A lot of potential to get lost in the shuffle right now because everything is just the wild west, you know. But you know, for me, I just I feel that regardless of like money and sales and all these numbers that we attach to success, I feel the most important thing is that there's this organic process of, of creation and impact and then sharing of that, you know. And so I try to simplify it from the point of Am I creating honestly? Is it being received honestly? And are people inspired to share that? You know, and so if we're making it to the people and we're making an impact, then to me, regardless of where the number falls or whether the dollar falls in my pocket, I feel I am living my purpose and I'm, I'm fulfilling my purpose and I'm making an impact. And to me, that's really what it's about. Now, if we can find a way to do all of that and still be able to make money and pay the bills and and not just that, but actually grow and thrive. And, and as bands uh, give us more opportunities to take more chances and spend more time out or spend more time home or record more music, that's a win-win for everybody. You know, so I think it's really important for everybody to understand their role. You know, I think the artist to keep it sincere and, and keep it real, I think, but also for the, the listener to understand that their role in all of this is just as important as the engineer behind the board or the DJ on the radio, you know, spinning the music. They are very much a part of it, but, you know, they themselves should want to be held accountable in a positive way, which is have their number counted, have their hand raised, have their dollar in the jar. You know what I mean? Um, so at a certain extent, you know, I think it's out of your hands. and it, it comes down to a sense of responsibility the listener feels to invest in art and invest in the artist and to keep these platforms alive for us to be able to do these things. Uh, but like I said, in the same sense, the artist can't get greedy. Uh, the label can't get greedy. They have to understand that it really is this very intimate and highly purpose-driven uh, opportunity, you know. And it really doesn't have anything to do with numbers or money. Uh, it's about impact and about making an impact and about living a life of purpose and fulfilling that purpose in a way that that makes the world a better place. So, you know, that's a bit of a detailed answer, but you know, I think it really, like I said, it simply comes down from the knowing your role and, and being accountable and, and, and respecting the art. That's fair enough, man. The, the only other thing I've got for you is, you know, what's next? Uh, Bliss Creek just they just released the uh, the album digitally. Like I said, it was mentioned that there's going to be a physical release at some point. Still can't play shows because of what's going on in the world. So what's next for you? What's next for the band? Yeah, you know, we're we're setting some dates here towards the end of March to get together and, and uh, do some more writing. We're all fans of the Jar Flies EP from Allison Chains. You know, it's kind of cool when bands just get together and, and throw something together real quick and be creative with it. And, and that acoustic-driven sound is something that, you know, obviously they're very, very good at. And so we're going to explore that. We also need to get some more content together. So photo shoots, working on some video material. Uh, we do have some conversations in the pipeline as far as management's concerned and and, you know, labels are still trying to figure out what they're going to do. So we're trying to just buy ourselves time and let the industry catch up and, 
and uh, not try to rush any one aspect of this, kind of let it fall into place. Playing shows is something that we would love to do, you know, but once again, we have to allow the industry to kind of catch up and find its way. Um, there is the opportunity to possibly put together a webcast performance. You know, we, we do have some some outlets to be able to get in a room and, and get some high-quality recording and performance. And so, you know, we're going to look into that moving forward as all this comes together. But, you know, there's some buzz in the industry. It seems like there's some positive progress as far as maybe getting touring going again. I know that there are areas of the country that are having live shows, so there are things moving. But uh, it's still going to be a little more time. We're just going to take advantage of the opportunity we have to, you know, get together, you know, while everybody is not too busy before it gets going. You know, once once everything gets going again, Todd will be back out with Dirks and, and uh, you know, we'll all be kind of balancing it off of that. But there's a lot of exciting stuff going on. I'll tell you that. I can't I can't reveal too much, but, you know, Blitzkrieg's got a lot of exciting things going on. You know, I've, the Lord's been working in my life and he has so many amazing opportunities and I'm just trying to, you know, balance everything out. But uh, yeah, there's there's uh, so many exciting things to come. I'm blown away. I'm so humble and so grateful. Well, I can't wait to see it, man. And and uh, I'm really, you know, it's it's weird for me to not have been going to concerts for the last year sure. because I started going to shows when I was 17 years old. I'm going to be 38 this year. Yeah. Before, before 2020 hit, I, I, I did the math once. I averaged about two concerts a month from the time I was 17 until about a year ago. I have not been to a concert in almost a year, and it is... It's hurting my head a little bit and it's hurting my soul yeah so you're you're like 150 175 deep or something like that right it's something insane like that there's actually uh there's a website that i uh i found one time i was trying to find information about a show i went to and i found this website called songkick.com which is basically a concert database and right. it's got it's got like almost every concert that's ever been in it and if it's missing you can what? like have them add it and so like i found i have found a pile of ticket stubs and i went through and i was like all right i was there I was there. I was there. And, like, and you click a button that says I was there. And it just and so I think that right now and I didn't put there. I'm missing some stuff from 2019 and the stuff I did in early 2020 when the pandemic started. But I think when I looked at it yesterday, because I was trying to find information about the Roxy and Duke show you guys played, yeah. it had listed at like 227 shows. Wow. <laughs> Holy smokes. That is such, that is so cool. I didn't know that that existed. I want to go look at that thing. That's pretty neat. Yeah, dude, it's awesome. You can, you can either sign up for an account uh, using like your you know email or you can sign up with Facebook. You can sign up with Spotify and then you just search and it's like, okay, I was at that show. I was at that. And, and so I keep track of it that way because I still have the pile of ticket stubs, but that gets unwieldy. And right now, most of my life is in a storage unit. So I don't even have access to those right now. Well, that's awesome, man. That is, that is really cool. Yeah, man. Uh, so I'm hoping I'm hoping that I can, you know, obviously safely. We got to we the world has got to, uh, you know, it's got to be in a, in a good place to, to be able to start doing stuff like this again. But, you know, I want to be able to go to shows and, and, and definitely one of the bands I'd, I'd love to see again is yours, because I, I, I've seen you. Like I said, I've seen you at least twice with I Empire. I saw you with Apollo Under Fire. I love your voice. And uh, I really just want to be able to see you and see any any band play live again. <laughs> Well, thank you, brother. I look forward to it, too. You know, if we do get back out there, you definitely have to reach out and we have to connect, uh, maybe do an on-the-spot on thing with everybody or something. But, yeah, I, you know, I'm praying that it's sooner than later. Uh, thank you so much for, for reaching out. I totally remember. I mean, that's the one thing. I'm A lot of times I'm bad with names. I think social media helps me because I have to see the name so much. But faces, I never forget faces, uh, even after 20 years. You know, there's just, there's so many faces that I remember. And, you know, every, every time. Time I have the God-given opportunity to get back out there and do it again. I just that's my favorite favorite part is, is seeing familiar faces and reminiscing on all of this. You know, it's just you know, like I said, kind of going back to that answer about you know the future of the industry and, and and all that. You know, that's that is what it's all about is that connection. And I just hope people realize that you know uh, the numbers and all that side. It's it's beside the fact. You know, it's just really really uh, showing that that love and that appreciation for something that means so so much to us and something that you know we have. What am I trying to say? You know, I think when you sit down and write a song, you're writing the music for yourself. You're trying to tell your story, but I think you're very much aware that there's going to be somebody listening to it, you know, and and uh, anybody that has a heart, you know, that that makes an impact. Well, that's the thing, man. I remember when when we when we talked at, at the Apollo Under Fire show and you had said, like, I remember seeing you at I Empire shows. What was your name again? And I told you, you're like, I remember seeing your posts on my Facebook page. I, I know who you are. And I was yeah. like, shit, that's that's awesome. Yeah.
Yeah, man, it's uh, it's just um, it's a very rewarding experience. I mean, especially for me, it's really weird because I have my mental illness is a little more on the social anxiety type of side of things. But I, I, there's no place I feel more at home than than on the stage and, and at a show talking with people. So. Um, yeah thank you so much for being a part of it brother happy to anytime man that's that's the one thing that i i the reason i started this show was because i love to support music and i love to expose people to music there's so much out there you know that you something that that you might be into might have come out and you have no idea until you find it and so i yeah. made it my mission to help people find it <laughs> You know, I awesome, think bro. that when you guys used to do the the social media posts for iEmpire, to used to tag hashtag everything with LRS, which if I remember correctly, was either I don't remember the L, but the R and the S was respect and support, and that's yeah. all I try and do. Yeah, love, love, respect, and support. Yes, sir. Well, I think that that is a good place to leave it. I thank you so much for your time. I thank you so much for the interview and. Uh, you know, once that, uh, once that, I'm definitely gonna be buying a physical copy of that record when it comes out, and uh, I really hope to see you guys in the area as soon as it makes sense to do so. Thank you, brother. Keep jamming, and hopefully we'll see you soon. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Thank you, later. On and on, it's feeding on my soul. From the album Remedy, that was Blisskrieg with Inside Me. 
I want to thank Donald so much for being on the show. Like I said at the start, somebody that I've been hoping to get on the show since the show started, and so it was so great to finally have that happen. If you want to follow Bliss Krieg on social media, you can find him on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bliss Krieg Band, and that is spelled B-L-I-S-S-K-R-I-E-G. You can also follow Donald Carpenter on his Facebook page at D Carpenter Vox. That's D C A R P E N T E R V O X. You can also follow J Bunny's Music Hub on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Patreon. I think that's all of the social media that I have. I think that's kind of all of the social media that matters. Uh, if there's anything else you think that I should be on, let me know. A lot of people are on TikTok these days. I don't think that that particular one is for me, but like I said, if there's any social media you think I'm missing that I need to get a better reach out into the world, let me know. Also, don't forget, everybody, if you believe in supporting music like I do by buying it, then make sure that you follow Industry Embers at Industry Embers on Facebook and Twitter, and make sure to tweet or post any of your music purchases with the hashtag BuyMusic, B-U-Y, or it's BuyMusic, B-Y-E. Now, as for what's next for the show, this was the last thing that I had recorded, so we will see what comes out next week if I can get anything else booked I know that I have some emails in to me asking if I'm interested in interviews I still have an interview that uh, I was told we were going to do sometime in March but I have not heard back from the person yet we'll see what happens with that like I tell you guys all the time this this happens in its own time and in its own way although I am going to try and see if I can't put this on more of a schedule I've been trying to release new episodes on Wednesdays. Uh, it's not happening with this one, but that was that was due to a little bit of a little bit of a glitch that was my fault. But generally, I'm going to be trying to release these new episodes on Wednesdays. Going to be seeing if I can get more stuff out because, as Jason Ellis said when we were we did that interview, I have a Patreon that I'm not using at all, and and uh, I want to make sure that if I set that up, that it's worth it, you know. Uh, I don't want to have a. I know that, that that there's an expectation, especially now with Patreon, that you're you're putting out, you know, content every month to make it worth it. And so I want to make sure that I can do that for you. If you have any ideas, if any uh, perks that you think should be on the Patreon, let me know. I'm also looking into just doing the kinds of shit that you think that one would have done with a podcast that's been around for four years like this one like uh, I commissioned someone to make a, make a logo the, the logo that Chris O'Mealy made for me uh, was always supposed to be temporary so I have uh, commissioned someone to make me a proper logo for the show I'm looking into getting other art designed for t-shirts and what have you business cards. There's been so many times that I've been out at a show or, or just out and talking about the podcast and it's like, oh, you got a card? Fuck, no, I don't. Real fucking professional, right? <laughs> so I'm going to try and start tackling all that stuff. It's, it's going to be harder to do with the, the way that my work schedule is these days, but I'm going to do my best because I, I, don't want this, I don't want this thing to fall by the wayside. I really want to keep doing this and, and do it right. So little bit of uh, insight to the inner workings of what's going on in my head in regards to the show. So that's about all I've got for you guys today, though. Uh, I'm going to leave you guys today with another song from the Blisskrieg album Remedy. This is Waiting. Until next time, guys. (laughs) 